Welcome to the Focus on Why podcast. I'm Amy Rowlandson and I ask my guests one simple question, why? Focusing on the importance of why, I share with you the relatable, uplifting and inspiring conversations I have with people from all walks of life. This podcast will encourage you to focus on your why to enable and empower you to achieve the success you desire. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why. Before we get started, are you thinking of creating a podcast or are you a podcast host already? As a podcast strategist, I can help you to launch or relaunch a purposeful and profitable podcast, which will inspire, entertain and educate a global audience. Simply book in a one-to-one call with me right now via the Calendly link in the show notes and together we'll focus on the purpose of your podcast. Today on Focus on Why, I'm joined by Tina Walsh. Tina, welcome. Thank you. It's great to be with you and thank you for the invitation to join you. Well, you have a good friend, Trish McGear, who's been on the podcast and she recommended you come on. So I'm all for recommendations. So here we are. So what is it that you're doing at the moment, Tina? My focus at the moment and for some time has been on what is known, probably best known as the property investment sector, where investors find properties to invest in rather than to live in themselves for uh, maybe a pension pot, cash flow, capital gain, all sorts of different reasons that people go into the investment sector. And um, we have three businesses overall. One of them, we invest ourselves. The second one is that we source investment properties. So we act as an agent for the, the buyer, the investor, to find properties for them. And then the third one is um, training. Uh, we provide training to show people who do what we do, which is sourcing agents, how to do it legally and compliantly. Uh, and I'm sure that later on we'll talk about um, what's coming up in the future and everything else. But, yeah, we have a, an exciting program on for the future as well. So it's the investment sector, uh, investing ourselves, helping others uh, to invest by acting as agent for them, and then um, training people to do legally and ethically what it is that we do. And I want to pick up on those two words, the legally and ethically. My background uh, from leaving school in the police. So when I look at an opportunity to open up, uh, and uh, I've been looking for years into what business I could run for myself. I'd always worked for other people, but always wanted to have my own business for some reason, to be my own boss. And I've tried all sorts of things over the years, from selling books on eBay to um, what I used to call candles and wicks, which was short-term investment on uh, FTSE 100 index type of things. I've done all sorts of training programs, trying to find something that really resonated with me that I felt that um, I, I could run as a business and really struggled. But my husband and I, Tony, we'd always invested in property and rose up the property ladder from buying properties that were in need of renovation and then uh, renovated them and moved up the ladder. And so we'd always loved property. Um, and so I had a, a mentor and he suggested, OK, you don't really want to invest yourself at the moment. We'd had a bad experience in investing in 2005. Uh, but what about property sourcing? And I said, well, what's that? And he said, well, go off and research it. And so that was where the journey started, really, on the sourcing side of things in January 2012. And the first um, thing that I looked at was the legality of the operation of a business. 
that was where I spent my first 10 months apart from networking to build up connections and working out that the nearest thing that we did was a high street estate agent, seeing what they had to be legal and compliant with, what their operation structure was, and creating our company based around that. And over the last 10 years, I suppose, I, I, I've still studied it. It's it's an ongoing thing in, in the sector. It, it changes on a, almost a constant basis, does the interpretation of the law. So, yeah, the legislation and the compliance comes from my... I guess my police background, my legal background, we used to have to learn it in depth. So I find reading and understanding it fairly easy in comparison to the majority of people who we would probably put to sleep, to be quite honest. <laughs> so what is it that you 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 enjoy or you you understand from an easy perspective, this interpretation of the law? Because it is interpretation, isn't it? I mean, it's... It, is open to people's interpretation. It is. And it's reading it. And then I think in my head, I can convert it into plain English. I can't explain why that's the case. Maybe because I was studying it from the, the age of 17, I guess. I was a police cadet. So before I was actually a police officer, I was actually a police cadet. And we studied the law from, you know, the age 17. So I've had to understand the reading of it and then understand what it meant and I guess maybe that's just translated over the years and that I just find it easy just to do it's maybe it's a skill set that you you learn and you have to want to learn it it's kind of like learning anything isn't it if you're not interested in it it doesn't resonate with you and so therefore you'll find difficulty in understanding or progressing with something but legislation and regulation I've always been really interested in I think it's because of the structure of it and I like to work in a very structured and organized way and having that guidance around what you do gives you a, a structural form to work to so I guess that's why it resonates with me. So you've you've got your eye on the detail and you love the structure but I feel you've got this vision this big picture as well. Yeah yeah huge picture uh, for many many years now and um, I know that you've interviewed a lady, uh, I think the last interview was Karen, and I think she said that she had a vision board or a whiteboard or, or something that she um, sort of poured out her vision, her thoughts onto, and then formed structure from there. I use a flip chart. And a number of years ago, I still have the flip chart upstairs, a number of years ago, I had a vision of a portal of where sourcing agents and investors could come and link together. Um, and this portal was to drive change in the sector for the better around compliance and the legality. What a lot of people may not know is that in the sourcing sector, in my estimation and from 10 years experience in the sector, 99% of sourcing agents operate illegally. And so my goal, my vision, is to get 100% compliance across the sector. And a number of years ago, someone said to me, if you want to achieve that, there are certain stages that you've got to go through before you can hit the goal. And the first one really is to write a book. And my comment was, I have no idea how to write a book. I have no, I, no idea. I used to love English language when I was at school and I'd always thought about becoming a journalist. That didn't happen. But I'd never thought about sitting down and writing a book, certainly not one that wasn't fantasy, that was factual and legislation and regulation. So I acquired a, a mentor <laughs> on writing a book and I actually wrote the book. 
and it was published on the 17th of October, 19, uh, sorry, 2017, and uh, reached Amazon number one, which was great. And we sold about 5,000 copies. So that was the book to sort of bring me to the forefront of people's thoughts around the compliance side of sourcing. And then um, this person said to me, now, okay, now you've written the book. Now you need to go and talk to everybody that will listen to you. And that is basically what's known as the uh, presentation circuit. So I've been doing that now since April 2017. And standing on stages all around the UK and telling everyone that will listen about how to be a compliance sourcing agent and for investors, how to protect themselves. Because the other thing that I've learned over the years is that a lot of sources lose tens of thousands of pounds to unscrupulous sourcing agents. And this isn't something that is a rarity. This happens week on week. And so the idea of getting the 100% compliance across the sector is not just for the compliance side of things, but the protection of investors as well. The people that work with sourcing agents and to be quite frank, do more due diligence on the next car they're going to buy than the actual sourcing agent they're going to work with and hand over a huge sum of cash to. So we went from the book, we went to the presentation circuits, and then someone said, okay, now you need to teach people how to do this because nobody else is teaching what you teach. So then I moved into the training sector and started teaching the compliance side and then finally, um, I think it was August last year, the portal that I told you about, the early vision, is now actually live and it's called NAPSA, N-A-P-S-A, National Association of Professional Sourcing Agents. And that has been two years in the building and the creation, working with legals, accountants, and of course the website builders. And what it does is, it's a membership platform for sourcing agents to join. But when they join, there is a minimum standard that they have to reach, which is actually the minimum standard expected in the UK at the moment legally. And so they pay a registration fee, they join. They have to upload every piece of compliance that they need, and it is manually checked by the NAPSA team. They are then made a live member and they become searchable because the platform is a searchable platform by um, investors across the world. So any investor anywhere in the world can come to the platform and search to find a legal and compliance sourcing agent who operates in the UK based on their geographical location and what strategy they source for. They can open up their profile and read a ton of information about the sourcing agent, see all of the compliance. They can even see the terms of business agreement, the contract that they're expected to sign before they work with them. They can see if the sourcing agent takes a fee up front and if it's held in a, an account or not. And that investor can have the reassurance that the NAPSA team have done all of the checks for them. They don't have to go to a myriad of different platforms to do that. We check everything on their behalf and during the year randomly maintain checks. And the system checks for any expiry dates that there are on registrations and stops them from being searchable if they don't update their data. So it's building, it's growing. We have, I think about 45 on the platform at the moment with about 117 people in the waiting. It is a low figure, predominantly because as I said earlier, 99% of sourcing agents are not compliant and so therefore don't qualify to be members of NAPSA. 
So we have a lot of people that want to come on board, but actually can't do because they can't meet the compliance measures. And very sadly, they don't have the cash to be able to pay to become compliant and get everything in place that they need. So the portal is there. It's a a platform for sourcing agents for guidance and support as to how to maintain that compliance on a day-to-day basis, up-to-date information, interaction with redress schemes, HMRC, other relevant bodies. And of course, it's a, a safer place for an investor to find a sourcing agent as there currently is in the UK at this moment in time. And it is a small number. I mean, when you when you think about how many people are out there, I don't know the numbers. I mean, you might have a better guesstimate of of how many people are sourcing properties. Yeah, we guesstimate somewhere between ten and fifteen thousand. It could be slightly higher than that. <clears throat> they don't all call themselves sourcing agents. They tend to change the titles to try to avoid having to be compliant for some reason or another. So it, it could be property introducer. Um, it could be deal packager. Um, property introduce a property agent there's probably about 15 or 20 different titles but if you search for all of the titles that are possibilities on linkedin you're coming up with somewhere between 10 and 15000 on linkedin alone and that isn't the only platform so yeah somewhere in that region napsa within the next 5 years is the goal is for 5000 members we're not out to conquer the world and get everybody because we can't do it and we won't But what NAPSA will do, it will bring to the forefront because we're in partnership with the property ombudsman now as well, which is one of the government approved redress schemes in the UK. There are two of them in total. We are actually as NAPSA in partnership with the property ombudsman who I've been building relationships with now for over four years. They're on board and now I've got a better understanding of the sourcing sector Um, and the NAPSA code of practice, which took two years in writing, they've accepted and they've adopted as guidance for them for working with sourcing agents because they didn't know that the sector existed. Um, So it's bringing the sourcing sector into the light from the dark Um, where we've been skulking around in dark corners for want of a better description, and making those powers that be that should be supervising us aware that we actually exist. If you think about it, these supervising bodies work with high street estate agents and lettings agents in the main. And of course, they have a, a high street presence. Sourcing agents are in Facebook groups and WhatsApp groups. They're not visible in the way that estate agents are. So they're learning along with now HMRC's estate agents anti-money laundering team about the sourcing sector how it operates where it operates and where they can find these sourcing agents who are selling these deals and aid napsa i guess in um, achieving that 100 compliance across the sector because that's the only way that it's going to happen is from sadly fines being issued and it's really really sad is that amy when you think about it but A lot of people don't want to hear that there's a lot more work involved than they thought or they'd previously been told. And so they prefer to listen to the roses around the door story rather than the story that I give them, whereby it's going to take more effort and more cost on their their part to achieve what they say they want to achieve. So 2023 is going to be a huge year, really, for the sourcing sector with the supervisory bodies Um, listening, understanding the sourcing sector and having the uh, insight to know where to go to find where these deals are being brokered and advertised 
and aid NAPSA really in its um, goal of supporting investors and protecting investors, but also um, getting rid of those sources sources in the sector that don't want to be compliant or legal and have no intentions of ever being. I feel that the vast majority of people, if they knew what was involved, would do something about it. It's just not taught. And so sadly, some of those, I think, will be heavily fined. I mean, the average fine coming out of HMRC at the moment is just over £7,000. That will bankrupt most sourcing agents. Yeah, and and you go. You talked about the roses around the door, and it comes from both sides because everybody wants a shortcut here. The investors want to get a return on their money, and they they want it as soon as possible, and they want a high as a, a return as they can get. And the sources again are looking for returns and quick wins. So I can see how there are lots of people in this area because. As you start, said right at the beginning, it was how you got into property without a huge amount of cash flow, without that sort of initial equity to sort of get started. It is it is a quick win for people to, to start on the property ladder. However, it comes with a huge warning. And those who are willing to part with their hard-earned cash because they think they're going to get a good return are going to struggle and suffer if they don't heed your your warning i am in the camp of having giving given money away to people in, to invest in in various sourcing of of properties and yeah you know it it was a case of wow i did not do as much due diligence i did a, a lot but still there is so much more and i'm so delighted that you are you know leading and this crusade to i, I don't really feel that sorry with with people who are going to struggle because really should they be in this industry if they are not going to be qualified and meet the standards that you're setting i think i think the problem is is that they pay for courses and honestly believe that the information that they're being given is accurate and that's where my uh, sadness comes from in so much as they're given some, but not everything. So for argument's sake, you require a bit of insurance and you need to register with the Information Commissioner's Office for Data Protection Supervision, a redress scheme, i.e. the Property Ombudsman or the PRS, and HMRC for money laundering supervision. But there's a myriad of documents that legally you have to have sit underneath that, and also legally at least annual training in data protection and money laundering. Plus there's the understanding of how you operate day to day with all of that to meet the minimum standards. There's about 14 or 15 pieces of regulation and legislation that govern us. Electronic communications regulations, the Estate Agents Act, um, Estate Agents Brackets Accounts regulations, money laundering, data protection, consumer protection regulations. And the sources come into the sector thinking that they'll have money in the bank in three months and be drinking mojitos on the beach in 12. I, I, I provide free 15-minute uh, calls for sources to try to gauge where they are now, where they need to be, and then what they have to do in the middle bit. Um, and usually now, with all of the work that we've done, the training companies are teaching them about the insurance and those registrations that I've told you about. Some of them have a couple of bits and pieces of documentation in place, but they have no understanding as to how, how to assess an investor or 
how to assess a deal, how to understand the refurb costs. Most of them that come to the sector actually have never bought a property. They've never renovated a property. They're looking to invest in property and they've been told this is a quick way of getting chunks of cash. And that's great because we did the same thing. But they don't understand the day-to-day operation and think it's really, really easy. And when you come to explain to them the process, which is all it is, it's a process to learn, that suddenly doesn't fit in with the roses around the door story as we talked about. And so that's all dropped. And well, so-and-so has said this, so I'm going with what they've said. Um, And so some I win and get over and we get them trained up and, and they're members of NAPSA. Some decide to go their own route and you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink, can you, Amy? You know, you can give people the information, but they have to choose as to how they work with it. You can do no more than that. Yeah, absolutely. So tell me more about the focus on why piece for you, Tina. What does that mean? The why for me is the legacy. NAPSA itself is um, not a saleable asset. It is limited by guarantees. There are no shareholders. It will never be sold. It's um, that um, thing that isn't about me at all. It's about what it can do and how it can serve the sector, um, be standalone and stand alongside the likes of ARLA and NAEA for the estate agents and the letting sector and, and stand shoulder to shoulder with them and go on long after I'm not here, fingers fingers crossed. Um, the sourcing side of it for me and the training side of it are, are passions to achieve the ultimate goal, which is 100% compliance. But the sourcing and the training have become passions. They weren't originally. Um, I'm sure that you, from your experience, you'll know that you start off on one journey and another door opens and you go down a different path and you had never thought of that path or of doing it. And yet it becomes a part of the overall passion. And that's what sourcing has become for me. That's what training has become for me. And NAPSA is that portal that I drew four or five years ago on a flip chart that was the ultimate goal of advice, guidance for the sourcing sector, but that protective barrier for the investors all at the same time. Yeah, I love that. So it started out with a book and, and the writing, and then it's gone on to the speaking and the training, and the and now it's the total compliance. It really is the, the understanding of, of all these people that are going to be protected and and on both sides, both, both elements, both sides, people will be protected for their own benefit. So where else does the property sector need compliance in, in this way? Uh, All aspects of the property sector need compliance, lettings, the high street estate agents, what we do, management agents. My speciality really is sourcing, lettings, um, rules and regulations. I don't even want to go there. And it's not that I don't love reading regulations. Lettings just don't, if it doesn't resonate with you, you don't want to go and learn it, do you? And lettings just isn't my thing. We've owned property and we've rented it out, but we've always had other experts to do that. It wasn't something that I wanted to do. And setting up a lettings agency doesn't appeal at all. For whatever reason, it just doesn't. Um, so um, practicality going forward, the powers that be, the supervisory bodies realize that 
the supervision of the property sector itself has been poor. And I think they're trying to um, change things to improve the supervision of it, to improve standards. There's talk of bringing in potentially a qualification for agents to have to qualify to do what we do, because, of course, estate agents and lettings agents can set up tomorrow. They don't have to have any qualifications. doesn't make any difference. So they're talking about bringing qualifications in. Certainly HMRC are now, um, shall we say, um, um, bringing heavy hammers down onto the estate agency sector. Between January and March this year, they issued in excess of £512,000 worth of fines to the sector, not because they were laundering money, but because they were operating and not understanding what they were doing or they weren't registered when they should have been. And so the fines are really, really cranking. We've gone from something like in 2019, £9.4 million pounds of the fines for the year by HMRC up to the last full years of figures that we have, which was 2021, 23 million plus. So you can see they've really, really cranked the level of fines and how many fines they're issuing. So they are coming down hard on the sector, and I think it will help, but it's such a huge sector and so many out there. But still, it's a numbers game, isn't it? Um, you do stand a chance of being fined, but you also stand a chance of getting away with it. Well, I, what I always say is, and it was my husband that came up with this, is that HMRC only have to be lucky once. You have to be lucky all the time. And, you know, it's one of those things that really sourcing agents certainly should bear in mind because that it won't happen to me if it does in the sourcing sector because they have no money. It will definitely bankrupt them. There's no two ways about it, Amy. Yeah, absolutely. So this is a, a lifelong mission now. It's it's going to carry on with you for the rest of the, your life, for sure. I can see how passionate you are about it. What else is is catching your eye on the horizon? Um, semi-retirement. <laughs> I've no date for that, though. Um, weirdly, recently, our youngest daughter, has, um, she resigned from a full-time job and she's coming on board with us full-time um she's been doing some work with us in between for about the last three years on website design marketing uh business development and project management is really her skill set although she studied design at university um so she's coming on board because we realized last year that with the three aspects to the business there's only Tony and I running it that we needed help and expertise that isn't uh we don't have that we're not marketers um we're not designers. So we needed that skill set to come on board. And she's very, very good at organization and systems. So we're being reorganized at this moment in time, shall we say, in the background. Um, automations and things that we need to then be able to push certainly Napster and the training side of it to the next level. Because we have to have those systems in place for us to be able to handle demand going forward. Um, so we realized that we had to have somebody on board and our daughter, Sarah, actually volunteered. So she's working with us full time. So, yeah, the, the sky's the limit really going forward. It's just pushing it, saving as many investors as we can do, getting as many sources on board as we can, spreading the word as quickly as we can, continuing to build the relationships with those uh, government approved supervisors, bringing more on board as we can, such as national trading standards 
and making everyone that needs to be aware of the sourcing sector and getting them to say yes um tina's interpretation of the law is quite accurate and you should have all of this in place and if you don't and we catch you then the consequences could be severe so yeah, getting uh, Sarah on board, boosting it, then getting an admin on board to take the, the basic day-to-day -day work off Sarah to raise her up again, uh, getting them run level pegging. And then for um, Tony and I maybe to take a bit of a part-time step back, we really cranked the hours during the week. Um, at a time when at our age, we should be really sort of easing off, as our friends keep telling us, you're working more hours now than you were when you were actually full-time in the police, which is quite true. Um, but we're doing it for ourselves and it doesn't feel like work. If you do what you love and what you're passionate about, you don't work a day in your life as far as I'm concerned. And this is now a passion for myself, but for Tony as well. And our daughter is on board with it as well. We're all passionate about what we do. The end goal is for us to sort of semi-retire and sort of step back a little bit and let let the businesses kind of semi-run themselves the training is fully online anyway amy so once i've created it it's it's not that i have to do anything i'll still go around and do presentations i still like presenting live i, I still like doing that and i still like doing some live training but not not as much as i was doing yeah i was i was just wondering what your sort of evening dinners are like do you <laughs> ever stop talking shop no we don't and when we go out for a coffee and a break, we still end up talking about the business because for us, it's not a split between work and our life. It is our life. And our friends think that that's sad, but actually we don't. We get a buzz from doing it. And you sometimes come up with your best ideas over a coffee and um, a toasted sandwich or a buttered scone or whatever it is that you're eating and just firing ideas backwards and forwards. But at our age, we have to write it down or record it because otherwise we'll forget by the time we've got home, Amy. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I know that feeling for sure. I, I often wake up in the middle of the night with a genius idea and in the morning it's gone. I have a notebook at the side of the bed. And yeah. if I wake up with an idea, I have to note it down because otherwise, as you said, the morning it's gone and then you can kick yourself because it was a genius idea. I, I do do that. And one one morning I woke up and it was just absolute gobbledygook. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I totally, I totally get it. I think I've fallen asleep. I was typing it on my phone and then I just sort of lent on all the, the letters and yeah, all good. My goodness, Tina, I love hearing your passion and it is it's really reassuring to know that this area of property investment is being regulated and that, that it will take some time because the 99% tipping point is going to take a while for those people to be registered. And uh, as you say, it's it's barely touching the surface right now. How would people get in touch with you? How would they find out more about what you've got to offer here? They can find more information about NAPSA on the website, which is www.napsa, that's November Alpha Papa Sierra Alpha.org.uk. Tell them I'm a retired cop, can't you? <laughs> I was just or, thinking that. <laughs> yeah. Or our training company is getpropertycompliance.co.uk, which has a website with all of the information. If anyone just wants to get in touch with me directly via email, they can email me at Tina, T I N A at getpropertycompliance.co.uk. Magic. Well, all of those links are in the show notes. So if anybody's out and about right now, they're there so they can get hold of them easy, get hold of you easily. 
Tina, it has been a pleasure. Thank you for coming on Focus on Why. Do you have some final words, please? I think my final words were something that I said earlier on, which reminded me just how lucky I am as to what we're doing at the moment. And that is that if you want to find something to do for the rest of your life, make sure that you're passionate about it, that you love it. And if you do that, then life will be just life all day. There will be no work and no life split because it's your passion. You will just never work a day in your life again. That is just how it is. How has this conversation had an impact on you? What value have you received from tuning in? What are your reflections with actions? Please take a moment to leave me an Apple podcast or Spotify review sharing how Focus on Why has made a difference to you today. Remember, the conversation doesn't end here. To keep it going, simply connect with me on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook or Twitter or join the Focus on Why Facebook group. All the links are in the show notes. Have a purpose, have a plan, Focus on Why.